Um, it's funny. Uh, what I want to talk about today, if you put up the, the head slide there, Jeremiah, the title slide, is being on fire. I think it's an apt uh, description for what's going on right now. I am not making light of all the wildfires that are going on in America right now. I know there's a lot of them. Um, but there is that in the news. We've been hearing about fires. Remember in Australia at the beginning of the year and now a lot of wildfires, but it's not about that. Um, but I think a lot of people might look around and say, oh, it feels like the world's on fire. Like there's things happening everywhere, not just because of coronavirus, but everything else politically and socially and all those things. It feels like the world's on fire. But there is a notion about being on fire for God, which is something I want to talk about today. What that means, what that might mean for someone like you, maybe you've never heard of that or what that means you have a sense for, but we're going to dig into that. And certainly people are on fire about a lot of things these days, aren't they? Like, I mean, on fire, passionately yelling, screaming, shouting, talking, sharing, whatever it is about a lot of things these days. It's so funny. Yesterday morning, I was messaging with a friend of mine uh, about just that fact that so many people seem to be so on fire about so many different subjects. And as we were talking, I got a a private Facebook message from an extended family member who I shall not name that was all about such and such politician and how that politician is so corrupt that person needs to be put in jail because of some secret information that nobody knows about and this person and all the people that work for them have to be put in jail. And what's funny is you're listening and maybe you're attaching a name to that, but somebody who has a different political belief than you is attaching the other name to that and everybody's convinced they know who I'm talking about, right? That's what's happening in the world today. Everybody's freaking out on fire about a lot of things. I've never seen so many people fight about masks, vaccines. Here in Quebec, language is back. Remember that one? It's back. Um, Politics, sports. And I want to tell you about the danger of being on fire for things like that. It's It's a silly maybe example, a very worldly example, but I want to explain. Now, you Montrealers, I hope you know who Brendan Gallagher is, okay? He's one of the best players on the Montreal Canadiens hockey team. He's one of, he's very well loved in the city. And this week, I can't remember what day it was, Tuesday or Wednesday, somebody, a a journalist, sent out one sentence and said that the agent, the person who makes sure Brendan Gallagher gets his contracts sorted out, said that the, the negotiations between the team and the player weren't going well, and they've stopped for now. That's all he said. And the internet blew up. Fire, fire, fire. Montreal Canadian fans tend to get very passionate about things and fiery about things and people from outside. And people were saying, oh, trade him then. He's such a loser. Or people were saying, how dare you, Montreal? You have to sign him. Give him whatever he wants. Fire, 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 fire. People were screaming. Less than 24 hours later, he had signed a new six-year contract for 36-something million dollars that keeps him here until he's basically done. The point is, folks, Everybody freaked out, giving their opinion, freaking out, whatever. And and in the background, the reality was they were just ironing out some misunderstandings and some details, and everything was done in less than 24 hours. Now, I use that as an example because I think that's happening all over the place about a whole bunch of things. Okay? And we're all convinced we absolutely know the truth, and then new information comes, we change it, so on and so forth. And we talk about being on fire. You know, people, actually, Brendan Brendan Gallagher is a good guy to say, well, he's on fire tonight. You know, you ever have that saying? You know, oh, she's a real firecracker. She's bringing the fire tonight. People even say that about preaching. Oh, uh, pastor's bringing the fire tonight. We use that. And I want you to realize something 
Everybody's on fire for something. Okay? Even if someone says, no, I don't care about anything, and I don't, I don't care, and I don't make a big deal about anything. Guess what? You're on fire for nothing. And nothing happens to be something. So you are on fire for something. Everybody. You can't get away from it. And it's getting, but in today's uh, world, it's getting more public. Everybody's, you remember in the, I mean, I'm starting to miss the days of no internet when you didn't know what people in other places thought about things. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing maybe, but I think it helped in some sense. But now we all know what each other thinks instantaneously. Hot takes and so on and so forth on everything. Fire takes on everything. I want you to realize something about fire, its natural properties, and when we're on fire for something, you know, uh, as a metaphor. When you're on fire, people see you. Because fire emits, sends out light. So be careful, you're going to get noticed. So if you're on fire for political cause X or social cause Y or for Jesus, people are going to see it. When you're on fire, people are going to hear you coming. Okay? Like when you hear a fire, you're, you ever been outside, you hear crackle, 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 and you're like, oh, you can, right? People hear you coming. So be careful what you're saying. People smell you coming. Huh? They know what's coming. It's so, I love it. It happened yesterday. We got home from a little short trip. Val and I got out of the car, and I went, oh, someone's burning a wood fire. I knew right away why, because I know from experience that it was wood that was burning, not gas, not anything else. It was wood. I could tell by the smell. And so when we're on fire for something, whatever your cause is, people smell and go, oh, I know what's coming, good or bad. Okay? People feel you coming. Whether you like it or not, fire cannot help but emit heat. Don't say warmth, because sometimes fires are hot. Okay, and any fire, if you stand by it long enough, and if it's constantly going, will get hot. Okay, so you're giving off heat. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been somewhere real hot, and if you put your face there, eventually you have to look away, right? Because you, your face can't handle it. So if you're always on fire about cause X, and that's all you talk about, and that's all you're going, and it's always angry, and it's always yelling, and it's always negative, guess what? People aren't going to want to start next to the fire. No matter how cold they are, they're not going to want to stand next to your fire. Okay, I hope you're all getting the imagery now, because we're going to start breaking down that right now. I do believe that Christians should be on fire, but what we're on fire for matters the most. And I was listening to a worship set this week, and the man who was leading worship, Chandler Moore, was just sort of free worshiping. They call it spontaneous worship. And he said this, if you're going to be on fire for something, be on fire for Jesus. Okay? And so we're going to look at some scripture to talk about this. Let's start in Romans 12. Romans 12 is actually where we get the name of our church from. So put up the first uh, slide there. And uh, just to remind you, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the name Transformation Church, housed from this verse, you'll see it on the wall over there. But I want you to think about for a second. The image that Paul uses here is the image of a sacrifice. And just to remind ourselves, what did they do with, factor, with sacrifices in ancient times? Burned them with fire. 
Okay, so the imagery is, is that we are, we're not physically doing it. I'm not introducing any new weird cultish behavior here. I'm talking, um, uh, you know, metaphorically here. We are to offer our lives to be burned at God's altar for whatever he wants and for his worship and for his praise. You get it? That's the idea. So we are to be on fire, but we're to be on fire on the altar of God, burning for his will and his ways, and we'll be transformed. We'll be like the world will be different. Okay, and then what I find interesting that Paul begins to break down uh, how it, uh, how a service in the body of Christ when you've presented yourself as a sacrifice. And verse 3 says, By grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> if he tweeted that today as a new thought, he'd probably get ripped apart by people. Well, who do you think you are? <laughs> right? He says, do not think of yourself be humble. Realize that maybe you don't have all the answers. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God, God, faith God has distributed to each of you. And it goes on to say that everybody has gifts. God's given something to everybody so that we might work together for the common good. It's not saying some are dumb, some aren't, some are good, some aren't. It's not saying that. It's saying we all have a part to play. We all have a role to play. This is going on, so forth, so on and forth. Can you go to the next verse, uh, the next slide, please? And then it goes on, and we get uh, right, right before it, it says, uh, verse 9, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Okay? First, verse 9, love must be sincere. If I was to say one thing, if you're going to be on fire for God in this time, and even fire for anything else, please be sincere. Sincere Sincerity is uh, maybe a gift or a way of being that is lacking in our society. Sincere is just, listen, I don't have all the answers, I don't know everything, but this is what I think. Because everybody's out there saying, I've got all the answers, I know everything, listen to me or listen to what I say or whatever you say. Be sincere, be honest, be kind, okay? And then it says uh, at the end of that, verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. It's, it's a hard lesson to learn, especially as you're growing up. Uh, let's be honest, uh, toddlers, right, as cute as they are, are completely selfish beings. Right? And the, the mother of the two-year-old is like, mm-hmm, right? Um, that's just, it's not bad. That's how they are. And as they grow up, they learn how to decenter themselves. They realize, oh, I am not the center of the universe. Neither is my family. Actually, there's a whole big world out there. It's, but many of us, as we age for whatever reason, we begin to think again. Like, again, it all becomes about me. It becomes whatever. Uh, even this week on Instagram, I can't remember, one of the young adults in the church posted something like, uh, they, kids these days, for you older folks, I'll explain. On Instagram, there's a thing called stories, and I don't really do them, but kids do. And in the stories, they'll ask questions like, you know, should I get a pink shirt or a blue shirt or whatever, and people vote. Or they'll say like, I'm bored, tell me something, and you can type in whatever you want. Well, this person put in, what is the best or greatest life, story, life lesson you've ever learned or something? There's a young adult in our church, ask that. And so I thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I'm a pastor at a church, I better say something good. Right? And uh, I was like, Ooh. and I thought about it. And I said, you know what? I, I'll never forget because it's a lesson. I've told this story here before. When I was a young man, it was my birthday. The Sunday school superintendent, Mrs. Rideout, sent me a card and it stuck with me ever since. I said, you know what? The best lesson I ever learned was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Right? And he will direct your paths. I said, that's the best lesson I've ever learned in my life. It was from the Bible, so it's not so bad, right? Lean not on your, it's the same idea, 
right? We don't, we learn as we grow. Even if you're going to be on fire for something, you've got to learn. It's not all about you. You don't have all the answers. Just trust God. Okay, but it does say in verse 11, here we are, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So it's actually saying in more modern language, be on fire for God. Don't lack in zeal and spiritual fervor. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a lot of zeal and fervor out in the world. But I think we have to be careful how that's applied. Is that fair? You know, there's a lot of zealots around. And just so we're clear, I want to explain that word. Zeal or zealots or being zealous is like really, really believing in and going for and pushing for and for something. It's like really being in for it. Uh, if you look in the Bible, one of the 12 disciples, his name was Simon the Zealot. And the reason they called him that is that he... Now listen, folks, this is so important. As I'm actually just getting this now and I didn't even think to link it. It meant that he was the member of a political party... At the time, this is true. Now listen, they were zealots. Their political platform was that they would eventually rise up and kill the Romans or push them out to have their own kingdom. That was, he was, so he was an extremist in his politics, but he became a follower of Jesus. And in Jesus' followers, there was other people of different political persuasions who probably thought, oh boy, Simon's a bit of a nutcase. Okay? So, again, folks, you hear what I'm saying right now? Apply it to now. Out of Jesus' 12 followers, just 12 people, there was guys with different political and religious understandings. Some were very strict and whatever. Other, read the Gospels, right? you got Matthew, who's all about like, and then Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did that, and Jesus did that, and the, and the genealogies, because he's, he's very studious, and he's looking back, and he's trying to link all the prophecies. And then you get John going, and then Jesus hugged me, and then I went over here, and Jesus is love. Okay? Just among, it's true. Just among his 12 followers in the beginning. And then you got Peter, who's like, oh, you're going to arrest Jesus? Watch this. Chop off an ear like he's being an idiot, like he's going to, right? And he, obviously, he made a lot of mistakes, but he came out in the end and did a great job. But you see, they were, they were on fire, but they were sort of like misdirecting it in all these ways or whatever. You know, there's all, understand then that in the body of Christ, you're going to have people who are on fire for God who have different ways of acting, ways of speaking, ways of being than you do, but that doesn't mean that they're lacking in zeal. But I think it's important to understand while we should be zealous and we should have spiritual fervor, we have to be careful how we apply it. Okay, it goes on to say, be joyful, don't, it's not there, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are needy, practice hospitality. And then verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Whoa, this is huge. First of all, I've been saying it for a few months now, but folks, West Christians in North America are not being persecuted, no matter what anybody on the internet tells you. We are not. Okay? Do we suffer some minor inconveniences? Yes. I agree. But we're not being persecuted. As I shared, and my friend preached about it already, but I shared, uh, there are uh, Christian families in Iran, in China, who are having their children taken away from them because they're Christians. That is persecution. Okay? But when you ask them, they don't say, wow, I want the fire of God to come upon my enemies and destroy them, whatever. No, they're humble. Like, please pray for us. Please help us. Listen to verse 14. Bless those who persecute. So if, if the government was persecuting us, pray for them. Bless them. 
So if you really believe we're being persecuted, the answer is not, God, remove them. I hate them. I'm going to slander them. I'm going to talk bad about them. Fire of God. It's not that. You're not a, a, a lord of the Sith, okay? You're not, you're not we, we are the followers of Jesus Christ, and we're going to pray and bless those leaders maybe we don't agree with. Maybe we feel like they're taking us down the wrong path. Maybe we feel like that they're going to have disastrous results. Pray for them. Pray that they might come to know the Lord as their Savior. Pray with fervor and with zeal that they would get saved, that they would govern the country with wisdom and with strength and with honor, with zeal and fervor. Not against. You see the idea? Goes on to say, verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Listen to this. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I'm not even going to get into it. I was going to hold up my mask. Okay? Be careful to do what is in the right in the eyes of everyone. It doesn't mean, well, if the world says murder is right, we should go out and murder. That's not what he's saying. Don't be silly. Okay? It's saying be a good person. Be a good citizen. Be a good member of the community. Be someone who's helpful. Be someone who's useful. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everyone, even that guy, yeah, even that guy, even her, yeah, even her, even that policy, even that politics, even that, yes, at peace with everyone. We're going to go down to verse 21. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. The Bible says, a gentle word turns away wrath. It's a nice way of saying when someone comes up, you're like, ah, 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 and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Can I help you? Sure, it turns down the tone of what's happening. So can you be on fire? Yeah, be on fire with kindness, gentleness, peace, joy, so on, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be careful because our words matter. As someone who speaks a lot, please understand this, okay? I want to be telling you how dangerous it can be. Be on fire. Don't breathe fire. Okay? Don't, what I'm trying to say is don't let your words cause a fire. Okay? I want to say something very important now. It's not just to us as, as a church, but I think it's important for Christians. Christians should never revel or enjoy chaos or causing it. God is not a chaos bringer. Okay? I'm watching far too many, I'm making a statement now as a pastor, far too many Christians enjoying Christians who are breaking the law. Okay? Now, if the law was against the word of God, I'd be the first one in line to break that law. But that's not happening. Christians don't bring chaos. Because our God doesn't bring chaos. We bring the peace of God with us. And so we shouldn't be reveling and bringing fire. Yes, my wife will tell you, because we've been married now almost 20 years, I know what to say to take her off. If I want to start a fire, ooh, I know exactly what to do. Right? And vice versa. Right? And in the same way in society, I could go on Twitter not, or, or Facebook right now and make a political statement that I believe, but I keep private, that would set my, oh, everybody would freak out. And I'd have people agree with me going, oh, I'm glad you said that. Go get them. And then I have people going, I can't believe you said that. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Right? I could start a fire. But why? As much as possible, live at peace with 
everyone. My political or my society opinions matter little next to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the preeminent thing in my life. That's the most important thing in my life. So that's what I want to revel in. And I want to say something. I know folks have been picking on this, and I'm sorry. But I'm going to do it, and I feel it's my role as a shepherd. Prophecies these days that focus on the coming disasters are disgusting. Amen. Amen. Disgusting. And these prophets are most licking their chops. The economy's going to fall, and people are going to die, and whatever. Go read the Old Testament when prophets spoke like that. They were weeping and gnashing their teeth and wearing sackcloth and sitting in ashes saying, woe is us because this is coming. Not, ooh, if we don't turn, this is going to happen and then that's going to happen, but we'll be okay. But this will happen. This is not the word of God. This is not the fire of God. If the day is coming when there will be natural disasters and people dying and whatever, we should be weeping for the loss of life that is coming. God is not... The Bible tells us God does not want to lose one person. One. He, would, would, he, would, he wants that not one would be lost. And so this prophetic movement that's happening during this pandemic time, almost reveling in possible destruction, it's evil. It's not of God. And I'll stand on every pulpit until I'm allowed to to say that. Should there be prophecy of coming calamity, it should be done from a place of mourning and sadness that we've come to a place where this is happening. So God doesn't bring chaos. The devil does. We are to bring peace. Now, I talked about not breathing fire. And the way we speak matters very much. Let's go to James chapter 3. Here's Jesus' brother says this. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. It's like, whoa, whoa, James, take it easy, James, maybe. But he's saying, careful, who you alienate, careful what you say. And as I said, maybe with the advent of technology, honestly, I do love technology, but we're all able to say so much more to so many more people now. And in the moment, we want to say something and get something off our chest, and we just, right? Anybody who's been in a relationship knows what that's like. You know, you, you say something in the moment, and the second you say it, the last syllable leaves your lips, and you're like, no. And if you could, you would catch it and put it back inside and you would never say it. But you've said it now. And it hits your friend or your wife or your husband or whoever and you can see right away. And then they start coming up with one. It starts building up and they want to say it. And then they have a choice. Do they, do they just fire or do they hold back? Right? And unfortunately, the whole discourse of everything in our society has become like that. Right? And everybody's just like, about everything, fire, fire, fire. Because the tongue, now, it's not, don't actually blame your tongue. Don't be like, hey, tongue, how dare you? Your tongue is you. Okay, you're using it to speak. Right? And now verse 9, this is one should hit home. With the tongue we praise the Lord and God our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
So can I say something? You can't march around bad-mouthing whoever you think is wrong in politics or life or entertainment or whatever, and then also praising God. That's exactly what it's saying. You know, oh, that Catherine, she's so horrible, blah, 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 blah. You know, well, well, uh, forever you are glorified. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You know what's happening? You do that, and God sees you, and it's like this. It says your praise is like loud, clanging noise. It's, just, it's like a bunch of things, discordant music. You can't be bad-mouthing people and cursing people and slandering people and praising me. This doesn't work. Pick one. If you want to be that person shooting that fire up, go ahead. But don't do the other one. I recommend you just pick being on fire for God and forget about cursing other people. Listen, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. I, there's tons of people that don't like me. It's totally fine. You don't need to return the favor. Okay? Don't let, don't, live in, don't let them live in your head. No, verse 18 ends, the chapter ends like this. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So people who bring peace reap righteousness. Not just in their own life, in their experience, like in their community. It, it's not, don't just individualize the Christian experience. We can have an effect in our homes, in our workplaces. Our communities can benefit just from being peacemakers. Amen? Let's go a bit to talk about the nature of God. Hebrews 12 tells us in verse 28, I think I have that one, I do. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. We just did Thanksgiving. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And this little saying, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews, as I always tell you guys, I think it was Paul, He's referring back to Deuteronomy when Moses was about to, uh, well, he wasn't going to enter. The people of Israel were about to cross the Jordan and enter the promised land, and Moses wasn't allowed for uh, a lot of reasons. Actually, talk about spitting fire in the wrong directions. Moses is a good example, okay? And uh, he was saying, I can't go over there because I basically what I screwed up, and God is a consuming fire. So he's, 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 he's Talk, this is where the reference comes from. And I'm sticking with this fire theme here because we need to understand something about uh, the nature of God and, and fire. Okay, It's a lot in the Bible. The Bible calls him a consuming fire. The Bible calls him a refining fire. Okay, And so I'm not a, a metallurgist here or somebody who works with metal, but uh, refining fires are what were used to purify metals. Okay, You may have seen... Actually, there's a lot of cool YouTube videos about this now where you can see people making swords or making metal tools and they have those big foundries and they're like, you know, they've got tools and it's burning and it's whatever. Uh, so what they're doing when you, when you have a refining fire, you have, it, it's taking away all the impurities, okay? Taking away all the junk, all the gunk, okay? And in the same way, uh, calling God a consuming fire. Now, in one sense, Fire, by its nature, is consuming. Okay, and again, i got to explain the nature side of this. Uh, if you set something on fire, given the right conditions and enough time, fire will consume, will burn that thing. Right? So, if you have a pile of wood and you light it on fire, it'll consume the wood until there's no more wood and it has no more fuel. So, the idea is God is a consuming fire. So, God comes into our lives as a consuming, refining fire, and burns away anything that's not of him. 
all the impurities. Now, we like to use the words, I was, using, I was writing this down actually. Yes, God takes away all the junk and all the gunk, whatever. And it's a nice way of saying it, but then we're not addressing the issue. What does God burn out of our lives? Wrong motivations, selfishness, ignorance, and can anybody guess the three big three-letter big three word? Sin. Okay? So he comes to refine us. So when we're on fire for God, we don't create the fire. He sets the fire. We're going to get there in a second. And his fire makes us more like him, which means we don't have space for selfishness, ignorance, and anger, and malice, and slander, and all those things. He burns away those things. And I really do believe that God sets the fire and that we can be actually baptized with fire. Let's look at Luke 3, 16. John answered them all. So this is John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but the one who is coming is more powerful than I am, and the straps of his sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. This is just one example where you hear this. Okay, there's a few other places. And um, <clears throat> uh, we need to understand what this means. So there's baptism. Okay, baptism by water. So some of you who are maybe newer, right? Usually when people become Christians and they've made a commitment to Christ, in a good time, not too long after, they will do baptism by water, right? So you go in water and sploosh, splash, okay? Now, church has been effectively open slash closed for seven months now, so we haven't been able to do that. But I hope there's some people watching that will be baptized very soon when we're allowed to do that sort of thing again. And that's water baptism, and that's what John was doing, and Jesus got baptized. We all should get baptized. But there's this idea of this baptism of fire. So first of all, remember the idea of the consuming fire? So here we are again, okay? There's, now here's where we go. You're going to find out you go to a Pentecostal church, okay? If you didn't know that, you're about to find out now, okay? Because there's some competing ideas about what this means. People who are not Pentecostal, what we mean that people who actively believe there are no gifts of the Holy Spirit today will say, well, all that's talking about is the consuming, the purification of your sin, basically. That being consumed, baptized by fire means that the work God does in you, it's called, okay, it's a fancy word, it's a good word, you should all know it, it's called sanctification, okay, or being sanctified. God cleans us out from the inside as it will, and he's the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, who is God, moves in us and speaks to us and helps us to be sanctified, okay, that's the word. It's just true. Now, however, okay, when you read what Jesus said, what the disciples said, when you read the book of Acts and you keep on reading the New Testament, there's definitely a baptism of fire in which something happens, okay, that, cha that changes the way the person burns. Okay, I'm going to explain that, okay, for a second. We'll look at the book of Acts, okay, in Acts chapter 2, verse 3. And Jesus said, hey, wait in Jerusalem until I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come amongst you. Okay, and so they did that. They were praying, the Bible tells us. And as they did, what appeared like tongues of fire appeared on their head. The Holy Spirit fell, and they all began to speak in other tongues. Okay, that thing's called the day of Pentecost. Okay, you might hear it in Christian things called praying in the upper room. Okay, so at that time, something happened, and it was represented visually by fire. And actually, you begin to see, if you, as you read the New Testament, if you read it more, you begin to see instances where uh, Paul, say, would meet believers, and they would say, yeah, yeah, we got baptized with, with water. He goes, okay, I'm glad you're baptized, buddy. You're baptized by the Spirit. And they'd be like, what? 
and he'd be like, well, it's this thing. And he'd pray for them, and then boom, they, something would happen, and they would begin speaking in tongues. Okay? So there appears, you know, well, there appears to be, there is this idea that when you're living for God and you're baptized, there's this baptism of fire that, if you will, enables you and equips you to burn for God, okay? In a good way, obviously. So um, I hope that, by the way, that's a much deeper, probably a whole sermon. I didn't want to run over that too fast, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. So when we're baptized with fire and we're on fire, it leads to living an on-fire life, okay? Now, remember, I told you, everybody's on fire anyway. I'm talking about being on fire for God in this right way. And we're going to go look at the next verse. Put it up there. Do I not have one? Yeah, go, Matthew, okay? Uh, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, as you have up there, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when I used to read this too, I'd often think about like in the olden days, they would carry a lamp, right? Or a city would have, uh, a town that would be on a hill would have lights outside their city so people could see it for their town. But I think in this way, if you think of yourself as a walking, talking, you know, like, you know those stuntmen that get set on fire from movies? You know, if you think of yourself like that, you know, uh, walking like that, it's saying you're the light of the world. Remember we said before, if you're on fire for something, people will see you, people will hear you, people will smell you coming, people will feel you coming, okay? You can't be hidden if you're on fire for God because you're burning, right? You don't hide away. So it's saying let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's what it's saying. If you're going to be on fire for God, be on fire for God, but let people see you. Don't hide. Don't hide in your house. Don't hide. Don't be afraid. Be out there. So I want to talk now some practical steps. Five ways to be on fire for God. Are you ready now? I don't often do these things where I think there's five things you can do to ensure that you're on fire for God. You ready? Hope you all have your notepads and pencils because it's terribly, terribly complicated. I'm kidding. It's very, very easy. You ready for this? It's not hard. One, pray daily. Okay, we're going back to basics, folks. It's not hard. Find time. I shouldn't say that. Excuse me. I've corrected myself in my thinking. Make time. Okay? You don't find time for God. You make time for Him. You find time for everything else. Okay? I don't know what that means for you, but I know from my, like, I'm not going to speak my own experience. I'm not in everybody's house, but let's be honest. Most people have at least some time to pray. Let's be honest, okay? You've got to make that time a priority. And you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Then ask for help. Talk to people who are used to praying. It doesn't have to be terribly complicated. You can start off at first very disjointed and awkward. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. Read the Bible, see how people pray in the Bible, kind of copy that, you know? Uh, just pray, you know? Worship God, thank Him, whatever, okay? So then, of course, closely tied to pray daily is Read God's Word daily, okay? Read God's Word daily. At least get some of the Bible in your life for a day. Again, you've got to make time for that, okay? Um, I'm never going to be one to say, oh, it's half an hour, it's an hour. Don't, don't, don't do the New Year's resolution thing. You're like, okay, starting tomorrow, half an hour, every day, going to read the Bible. Don't do that. 
Because like your New Year's resolution where you're going to lose all that weight and you never did and it's October and now you're going to make another resolution in January, don't do it. You won't make it. Make time to do some praying and some reading of the word. And when you're not sure, what should I read? Ask. Ask me. Ask somebody else. Say, what should I read? What are you reading? Go on the apps. You know, there's plenty of apps and say, what are you guys reading? Follow along with what the other person is reading. You know, uh, get involved in some sort of study group, whether it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night uh, connect group. Because, But trust me, to do that, you have to read the Bible. You won't have a chance otherwise. Okay? And get involved in something that almost forces you to read the Bible. Okay? And again, uh, if you're out there, if you're younger and listening, do not tell me the Bible is boring. Okay? I'm sorry. If the Bible is boring, you're reading it wrong. I mean, every Hollywood script you could ever imagine is in the Bible uh, from beginning to end. Every type of uh, drama you could think of is in there. So it's not boring. Maybe it's. Now, are there parts where you're like, you know, and Lebeth begat Shababuth, and Shababuth begat Uchaba, and you're like, Ugh, what? But trust me, there's nuggets in there. If you look deep enough, there's even stuff in there that are meaningful, okay? So pray, and those are the first two, pray and read the word daily. I cannot tell you, once you have that foundation, it's like a fire that's being constantly fed. You ever been to Ottawa and visited the Eternal Flame? You know, outside the Houses of Parliament, they have a thing called the Eternal Flame, right? That burns, to represent the hope and promise of the country, yada, yada, whatever, okay, it's great. But the, it's, is it actually an Eternal Flame? No, it's just because there's constantly propane in there feeding the, 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 the flame so it never goes out. So reading the word and praying, and praying daily is the same effect. It keeps the flame eternal. It can't go out. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me where to walk, right? So the Bible calls Jesus the bread of life. It just, it's this daily sustenance that the fire cannot, if you're doing those two things, the fire cannot go out. It cannot go out. Even if you have a rough time, even if you walk away from God and the embers seem to be dying, if you had that foundation of daily prayer and reading of the word in your life, the fire can be quickly brought back to life. Like that. Fresh log, a little bit of breath of God on it, and it'll come back with just those two things. A couple of other things. Another way to be on fire for God. Serve others. Love others. Everybody knows this. People who aren't religious know this. That doing good things for other people benefit you psychologically and spiritually. Everybody knows this. But we forget that. So there's a million ways to do that. You know, that could be inside a church context. That could be in other contexts. Maybe your job. Maybe the way you live. Whatever. Helping people who are in need. Serve others. Find something you're good at and use that to help others. You know, there's so many ways to do that. But the Bible keeps on telling us. Remember it says, we have read before, let's go back, right? In Romans. Oops, excuse me. Bless those who persecute you right there. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Um, it says here, uh, you all have different gifts according to each of us. If the gift, uh, so I'm oh, sorry, I want to go to the right place. Uh, ah, here it is. Um, if someone's thirsty, give them something to drink. If someone's hungry, feed them. It's all in Romans 12, okay? There's just do something for someone else and find yourself. And again, it doesn't just mean your own immediate circle of family. Do something for others, whatever that may, may, may be. Um, 
Here's another one. And now you might say, well, this is hard right now, but let's talk about it. Fellowship with other believers. Okay? Now, true, we can't all go to each other's houses right now, but we're making the best as we can do. We're doing online stuff, right? Uh, we have a, Val and I have a plan to sit down and have a Zoom coffee with somebody, <laughs> okay, with, a, with another couple. You do what you got to do. Make sure you're spending time with other Christians too to encourage each other, build each other's faith up. Now, don't get together with other Christians and complain about the world or complain about your church or complain about the prime minister or complain about uh, this or that or the other. That's not fellowship, okay? Fellowship is not two Christians in the same place. That's just two people hanging out. That's okay too. That's healthy, okay? But Christians together, fellowshipping is talking about the goodness of God, what God's doing in your life. What is God doing in your life? What's happening at your church? I don't know what's happening at your church. Wow, wow, wow. Like, that's fellowship, okay? Encouraging each other, building each other, one up, uh, each other up. And I'm going to say this, as someone who loves church and thinks church is very important, going to church just on Sunday morning is not enough fellowship for any Christian. It is not enough to simply only go to church on Sundays. It's not. It doesn't mean you have to go every day. It just means fellowship is deeper than that. Okay? And you need to find, I, I personally believe that small group fellowship is, is a great way of making, making that up, making that missed time up. I know how busy people are. I've talked about it, and I don't, wanna, I don't like harping on it because I don't want to complain, but I, I am extremely busy. Okay? I was up at 6 a.m. yesterday to go to work again on a Saturday. Okay? This is, that's my life. Okay? I, that, but you've got to make that time as well. Okay? Now, um, the, the fifth recommendation I have for being on fire for God, share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share Jesus. Share the gospel. Tell other people about it. doesn't matter if you're on lockdown. I have been amazed. I have been amazed at the number of people that I've been able to speak about God with in the recent times. Again, on what day? Friday, another old high school friend who I've reconnected with through other things spoke to me. And not at my doing. It wasn't like, I'm going to get the gospel in here. That person brought up their own irreligious attitudes. He said, I was having a conversation with someone else, realizing how irreligious I'd become, and I better give Richard a call because I know he'll talk to me about religion, as they call it. Okay? The doors are just, I don't know, opening, 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 opening. Take advantage. And so I got a chance, a little bit of a chance, didn't get, you know, to talk on, as I was driving home from work, on my, you know, uh, Bluetooth, I did not have my phone in my hand on the, um, on the sound system, to talk to an old friend of mine about, I didn't go too very deep, you know, and uh, just tried to find some points of common interest and just tell them, you know, we're still doing the thing that we do. But I've had, I've had that happen a lot this summer, just with old high school friends, okay? And so the doors are opening, share what God, don't share don't share anything. I know I've said this before. Don't share anything other than the gospel. You know? I'll tell you what people don't need. People don't need politics right now. I mean, everybody's, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm projecting onto all of you, but I'm sick and tired of politics. Okay? I'm just praying that things go well. Okay? And that things get sorted out. But don't share with them that. Don't share with them doom and gloom prophecies. Don't share with them. Share with them that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place, that we might know life eternal. And they go, what, what about this and what about that? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. 
you know, and watch what God does. You don't have to do it. God will just burn brightly. Burn brightly. Excuse me. I use the word brightly. Burn brightly. And when they feel the heat, let them feel the warmth of God's love. And when they hear the crackle of the fire, let them hear the words of God's love over their life, not something else. And when they smell it, maybe something sweet to them, not like, oh, more of the same, more of the same garbage I'm getting everywhere else. Okay? And when they see you coming, let them see somebody they want to spend more time with. Amen? Share Jesus with people. So my encouragement this morning is burn. Burn bright. Burn hot. Burn, but burn with the love of God. Let God's consuming fire consume you. Let him refine you so that you may burn and bring other people to know who Jesus is. So are you on fire this morning? The answer is yes, because we're all on fire for different things. But are we on fire for God? That's the question this morning. I really encourage you to seek God out. And if you, I don't want you to leave him going, oh, I'm not on fire. I'm, not, I'm, I'm bad. I'm, don't do that this morning. If you're at home thinking like I'm not, just say to God, God, whatever is in me that's not of you, burn it away with your consuming fire. Whatever is not good, Lord, just take it over. Refine me. I want to burn bright for you. I want to live for you. I want other people to see you. When I'm coming, I want them to see you. When I'm coming and speaking to them, I want them to hear you. When I'm coming and they, they smell what's coming, I want them to smell the sweet aroma of your love. I want all those things, God. Don't, don't leave here today feeling uh, condemned, but feel leave here. Lord. If you have conviction this morning that there's some things you've got to just... Get right with your life. You don't need to tell me. God is the refining fire. He is the consuming fire. Go to him. And folks, let us be something different in our society today, in our world today, that people will know that God loves them. And the people that are on fire for God are there to help and help them know that God loves them. Amen?